Costume Station Zero. I am here with the next part of my chat with Mr. Matt Munson. Matt, hello. Hey, Bob. Ready for more? I am absolutely ready for more. And with that, stick around. And here we go. Yeah, my first uh, cosplay costume, actually, I consider my first cosplay costume, not not Halloween and suit and films and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, was Greatest American Hero uh, thir- to 11 years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, that's recent, man. Well, recent-ish, uh, and at the at the time, it was. Uh, I mean, I loved wearing it, but uh, it was interesting seeing the reactions it got because yeah. um, there were a number of people my age and older who would freak out and make their day, and that was great. Yeah. And then there were like the booth babes who would laugh at me because they didn't right. understand. And then there were the little kids who at first would be like, "Wow," thinking superhero, and then they'd stop and <laughs> kind of do the head turn, like, "What superhero is this?" Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, I assume you have a, a giant curly-haired wig. Uh, I had one that wasn't that good at the time. I was a little pressed uh, for time on the wig, um, but I have a better one now um, <laughs> that's much more appropriate to 1981 uh, bulky William Cat hair. Good man. Um, yeah, it's a fu- I think it's a fun costume. I wouldn't mind doing that suit. It's a good yeah. suit. It's, it's a, no, I love the design. And, and that's the thing I heard when they developed it. They were going to change it to one of those, you know, nice leather kind yeah. of jobs and i thought you're missing the point of this yeah. whole concept it's got to look ridiculous yeah. you've just missed the point mr tv executive yes it's supposed to look like a classic spandex superhero suit it's not right. supposed to look cool i mean cool to kids but not to adults because right. he was supposed to be embarrassed to wear it but in today's culture that we've just been saying where cosplay is more accepted, geek is more accepted, would Ralph Hinckley have the shame of wearing that in public? Interesting. Like he, did? he might be stoked. Yeah, he might actually be into it, which could that ruin the concept or help the concept? I don't know. Right. What if he like goes to a cosplay convention in his costume? Yeah, that's the episode you would play today. You wouldn't have done, <laughs> in 1981. That was a non-existent plot, but today that is totally a plot you'd have to play. You're right. You're totally right. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about a Novos. Yeah. And I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school. Uh, well, because it's a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so a Novos, their their core competency is very high end, um, expensive. Yeah. But highly accurate replicas of costumes. Right. So they do like the Star Trek, uh, the new movie costumes. They do Star Trek original series costumes. They do Battlestar Galactica TV show costumes. Right. Great, great stuff. You know, they'll like they'll they they will find or be given one of the original costume pieces, mm-hmm. which will they will then hire a pattern maker to pull a pattern off. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of the original series Star Trek costumes, they were given swatches 
of the original fabric used to make the original costumes, mm-hmm. which they then took to, um, you know, a, 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 a what was that? A weaver, a loomer? How do they make fabric? <laughs> um, to have that weave reproduced, um, you know, they, they sent the colors off to a dying place. To yeah. So you know, they're, they're all in and it's dead on. But it's it, their their business model falls squarely into the classic struggle of of horizontal marketing versus vertical marketing. Okay, do you want to sell? One glass of lemonade for a million dollars. Want to sell a million glasses of lemonade for one dollar each? Right. And so, what? What a Novos? Let me rephrase. What I saw happen with the Novos at Comic Con last year is at their booth where they're selling four hundred dollar shirts. Um, they weren't selling any, but if you went over to their they have a, a different brand. I forget what the name of it is, but it's you know it's a spinoff of the Novos, where they sell uh, low-priced tchotchkes. Um, like they'll have like a Battlestar Galactica USB drive, uh-huh. or they'll have um, the the undershirts for the Battlestar Galactica costumes for twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could not get those back onto the shelf fast enough. They were selling so fast. Hmm. Um, all these sort of low-priced tchotchkes that are product-branded um, are what people are quick and eager to buy, um, especially in what I will loosely label as fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, I think if you just look at your demographics... And I don't know if this is true, but in my experience, what you have is you've got a bunch of people with $20 to spend. Right. You have no one with $400 to spend. Well, not ex- not no one, but close to no one that is it worth doing the product. Yeah. And, and, and okay, and those two people, what are the chances that they want to spend it on that one product that you're making? Right, which is the whole point of when you do them as group runs, you do the interest thread first to know that, okay... We've exactly. met our minimums. And that's exactly what I run into all the time. Let's just go back to the questions. So, Matt. Yeah, Bob. Give, so, me, give me what you feel has been your best experience cosplaying. Uh, that's a tough one because um, I've had so many great experiences um, from them. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, but who knows, maybe that part got edited out. <laughs> as I was mentioning earlier, I would say if I had to generalize, my best experience has been through all the people I've met. Mm-hmm. through the hobby and all the really cool friends I've made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it was one particular thing. Uh, I, I probably say um, I went to um, Manhattan uh, and, and spent a Halloween night um, in, in the village. They do a Halloween thing there. Um, and I was wearing my, I, in fact, I debuted my dark Knight costume. And so it was when, you know, uh, uh, the Dark Knight had, had like just come out recently or that year. And, you know, there weren't really costumes of that quality out and about yet in circulation. So, and I was in Manhattan, so people were losing their minds. And, you know, it was just sort of like this, I, I got to meet a senator. He shook my hand. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. And he, and he asked if he could have his picture taken with me. I was in a parade. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was, it was just a crazy sort of, uh, evening of, of mayhem and we we ended up like staying up to like five in the morning we were bar hopping until five in the morning over in brooklyn mm. um 
So it's just like a super fun experience that came out of wearing that that costume. Um, but you know, that aside, I've probably got a million and one anecdotes of, of people I met at conventions, um, people I met because of my costume or who, you know, I got I got invited to a party or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. Um, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh- so conversely, what do you feel has been your uh, worst experience or mishap experience in costume? Worst or mishap? Um, you know, I, I don't really have any costume horror stories. And I did not say costume horror stories, by the way, just to uh-huh. be clear. Got it. Horror. Um, I, actually, I think, I think my, my biggest costume mishap was one I spoke about earlier. It was when I was dressed as the ninth doctor at Comic-Con and nobody recognized me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's sort of a horror story for a dedicated costumer. Like, you know, when, you, when you're walking around in a costume and people just think you're a nicely dressed man. Ah, yeah. So that's sort of a big drag. Um, yeah. But never had, like, any, like, costume malfunction that led to something embarrassing um uh yeah nothing like that like i've never no one's ever spilled anything or destroyed a costume or anything like that i, I would have to, i would have to cite the biggest tragedy as a not being recognized <laughs> i suppose on the scale of tragedies that's a pretty good one to deal with uh, yeah generally yeah, speaking I think, I think um i think that said like i've certainly i've been embroiled in in the occasional convention drama um which which wasn't due to a costume, but I was probably in costume at the time, um, and that's always a bummer. And I, <laughs> if uh, if you, if you've ever been on the internet lately, um, the, the terms cosplay and drama seem to go hand in hand nowadays. Um, but I, I've managed to remain fairly uh, aloof from that, except for lately. But <laughs> I guess that's another story. Um, yeah. So I, that's that's my answer. Okay. All right. I actually ran into a similar experience when I was Tom Baker in 2006. Um, before the show had come back, uh, very few people recognized the fourth doctor, which really? was a crying shame. Uh, but yeah, I had a number of people who didn't clock me and, uh, or said, you're dressed up as something, aren't you? That's not just your look. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it wasn't until very recently. And I would say like in the last 10 years, um, that I even knew there was any other doctor than Tom Baker. Right, as most Americans who never got into the show normally would answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so it's surprising that as Tom with the scarf that people would go, oh, yeah, that that Doctor Who thing. Right. Yeah, it was, but that tells you how much it had slipped out of mainstream pop culture definitely um by the mid-2000s before the show had come back and i I think it might be one of the greatest tv revival stories in history like Uh, like what other show has gone from off the air due to sheer embarrassment and lack of good story Mm -hmm. to i would argue one of the most popular science fiction shows on air today Right, it's regained its former glory in many ways, and uh, cool phenomenon. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, it ha- it was popular in its day in the '60s and '70s, and here in America in the '80s, yeah, uh, to a degree, but never on this level. Well, what's crazy too, and I don't know if you've had a chance to experience this firsthand, but like as, as popular as you might think Doctor Who is in America, it is one million times worse in in the in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, like Doctor Who is everywhere. Uh, like if you go into like you know a drugstore, there's Doctor Who stuff everywhere. Like you know, 
Now, a while ago, Miley Cyrus stuff was everywhere here. Mm-hmm. Um, just imagine to that level of craziness um, in the UK. So I, I think, you know, we're, we're at the end of the day, America is still sort of not yet on the boat fully. <laughs> on well, far more than I'm ever used to it. But yeah, I know what you mean. I, I had one visit over there about three years ago. And I was dressed as Tom Baker wandering around London. And yeah. uh, that was very eye-opening because, I mean, some people didn't care, but yeah. a lot more people clocked it than that's awesome. you'd ever have here. And See, that's another thing I still want to do. Like, I want to go back to Cardiff in my Harkness outfit and, like, just take a bunch of pictures outside, you know, the hub entrance. Because, like, if you watch Torchwood, all of that, like, geez, almost every location from the first three years of Doctor Who and the entire Torchwood series – all of that is within like a one mile square area. Hmm. Every single building mm-hmm. is just right there in downtown Cardiff. It's hmm. amazing. Um, so, you know, it'd be fun to go take a bunch of pictures and see if I can blow some minds. Yeah, I, uh, I would love to see more location. I saw a bunch when I was there, but I'd love to see more. And I know in particular uh, uh, the village uh, that they shot the Android Invasion is still around. And yeah. I want to go to that. And I'll tell you, I know it's crazy. I, I got to go to one of the quarries that they shot one of their alien planets in. I don't know why. I've got I've got to find a British quarry. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure there's a website out there that, that tracks the filming locations for uh, the various shows. That, yes, there hey. is. There's a very detailed site for Doctor Who locations. And, uh, um, yes, I hope to see more of them. And, of course, I need to see the experience. I haven't been there since the experience opened. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, apparently that when I went, it was apparently small. And now it's very huge. Yes, yes. Love so, to go. Well, yes, I, I totally want to do that. I know uh, Ewan and Steven are talking about the uh, 50th anniversary con in November. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, talked to, uh, I was talking to Erica about that just last night. There you go. Uh, she was telling us. I'm like, I should go to that. That sounds like a great idea. Yes, yes, indeed. So that's another another thing I'm, I'm percolating on, depending on where my money situation is by then. But uh, yeah. yeah, so no, definitely want to do that. Um, okay, so cosplay or costuming, do you feel there's a difference in the terminology? I feel there is, but it's irrelevant to me. Um, okay. It's funny, that's actually a question I ask whenever I do interviews with people for my, uh, for my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, what is the YouTube channel, by the way? Oh, it's it's uh, the Project Workbench. And um, the idea behind the channel was originally to document some of my projects that I work on. And then I got to thinking, well, why don't I also make tutorial videos? And then I got to thinking, why don't I talk to other people about their projects? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that term project means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So, like, for some people, I'm talking about their film project or their costume project or their car project so mm-hmm. kind of all over the place um but it, it started out too like i would talk to a lot of costumers and by a lot i mean like three <laughs> um, and, a, and a very common question that seems to be very prevalent in this hobby is what is the difference between cosplay and costume if there is and one because some people i know don't distinguish uh yeah and i really don't care i mean you can call it fancy dress i don't care mm-hmm. um I, I'll be doing it my way, no matter what you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess, um, from what I understand, the, the word cosplay has origins. Uh, there's a Japanese author who was writing an article about American costuming, but he was writing it for a Japanese audience, and he came up with, he made this word cosplay, costuming slash play. Um, I don't even know what that means. Um, but, but I think it's sort of evolved where, where many people 
considered the term cosplay to refer to costuming as a Japanese uh, originating character, like from anime. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas costuming would be more like a comic book character or a movie character. Uh, other interpretations are that cosplay means you're actually, you are the character. Mm-hmm. Like when you dress as Cyclops, you are portraying Scott Summers as Cyclops. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you, you know his background. Uh, if someone asked you where you went to school, you would have the right answer. You, you know, like Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, whereas costuming would be you are just adorning yourself in their likeness, uh, but you're actually Matt Munson drunk, for example. <laughs> <laughs> this is entirely possible. Yes. Um, and so, so, so there's, all, there's all these sort of contrived definitions uh, of two made-up terms that, that I feel just don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think it. I think it's an attempt by the hobby to marginalize people that aren't you <laughs> okay. by by categorizing them in something that you aren't. We're back to human nature now, but yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally. It's it's a way for you to say, here's how you're different than I am mm-hmm. because I've decided you are. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's important. Or I I just think it doesn't matter. Like what? Like why? Do, why do I care what people say I'm doing? Right. Like if I'm, if I'm in a costume at a con and someone says. I'm, what you're doing is watching football. I don't care. You can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can call it recreational uh, fancy dress. Gotcha. Just doesn't bother me. Um, but like I said, I think there are people where that, that is an important distinction. I'm not sure why. Um, but I think it's because they want to be grouped with the, the right people. Gotcha. I'm very philosophical today. Uh, no, no. I know. This is all gold. Um <laughs> So, going on the, the simplest of questions, what is your favorite costume you put together and your favorite costuming convention or event to attend? Uh, my favorite costume, uh, you know, I think my answer's changed since we started talking. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer one way and then I'll expand on the answer. My favorite costume right now is my Captain Jack Harkness costume. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it because not only do I think it's a, a faithful representation of what you see on screen, um, but I think it's also a great casting choice for me, um, both physically and it empowers me or enables me to uh, <laughs> to behave a certain way at conventions <laughs> and get away with it. And I don't mean I don't mean being a schmuck or anything, but like I think I think uh, any sort of um, natural or acquired charm I might have is multiplied tenfold when when people think I'm trying to be Jack Harkness because mm-hmm. you know people people put on their Doctor Who lenses and have expectations and so like if you're if you're slightly charming because you're Jack Harkness people think you're way charming right and I like that a lot um, but with that said like as far as execution goes. Um, I'm a big fan of my Dark Knight costume, the, the Batman costume. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the other one? Uh, your favorite uh, convention or event to attend in costume? You know, there are. Um, that's a tough one. I'll tell you why. Because um, the cons I go to are all very, very, very different. Um, the, the some of the ones I go to are like Dragon Con, San Diego Comic Con, uh, Gallifrey, of course. 
uh, Anime Expo, uh, ALA, WonderCon. Um, I was thinking of going to Phoenix Comic Con this year. Um, there's like Long Beach Comic Con, and they're all very, very, very different. So, mm-hmm. for example, like Dragon Con is amazing. It's like five days, depending on how you swing it, of um, of nothing but it, for me costuming. Um, you know, there is a dealer's room or two, but it's kind of just the same old chotskis, which mm-hmm. I'm not in. Um, there are panels, but I don't care. So for me, it's like thousands and thousands of costumers, many of whom are my friends, who I don't get to see very often. Uh, and I get to hang out with them. And it's great. It's amazing. It's, you know, you're totally removed from reality. Then there's like San Diego Comic-Con, which is very much a, a marketing slash promotional event. Um, and people costuming is a small part of it. Um, there, there's some very, like for the West Coast, that's where the big guns show up as far as costuming goes. Yeah. But it's sort of, it doesn't have quite the same atmosphere, certainly different vibe. Um, it, it's much more about promoting your latest TV show or movie. True. Autograph lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, it's more, you know, it's entirely booth based. And then you can head out onto the in the gas lamp area to get food or whatever. So it's very different. Um, then there's, uh, but you know, and, and it's it's comic book slash superhero with a splash of anime and everything else. Then there's places like Anime Expo, um, which is also very costume heavy. It's 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 a costume event, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And there's a you know there's a decent sized dealer's room, um, but it's anime focused. I'm not a huge anime fan. Um, but if but you know you'll you'll find the Doctor Who regulars there. You'll find the Batman people there. Uh, so so it kind of like and, and East little and then there's like a Gallifrey, you know, small con, three thousand people, um, mostly Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it's it's real hard to say like what my favorite is because each one of them tops one of my categories. Like like Dragon Con is a great party con. Got it. Um, because, you know, it's, it's one giant party the whole time. Um, San Diego is a great networking con. Um, like, it's a great place to meet people who are in industry. Um, so they're all kind of like Gallifrey is just awesome all around. So come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very focused. Mm-hmm. So like, like, like many people I know who are dedicated customers don't go to Gallifrey 1 because they're not Doctor Who fans. Right, right. So, you know, there's a ton of people who are West Coast costumers who don't go to Galley. Um, and I know that uh, I always pour my money into San Diego Comic-Con, and thus I'm never able to afford to go to Dragon Con. Yeah. You um, should do it differently this year. I That was a, a loose plan for a while. I Comic-Con last year was the first time, well, I, you know, I generally have a good time, but that was the first year I was kind of feeling uh, the crowds a bit more. And yeah. I had a note to myself that I thought maybe next year's the year to take a break. And it just came down to dollars and cents why, well, I either go to this con or no con. So yeah. I guess I'm going back to Comic Con. But yeah. uh, Scott and Vicky have stuck to their guns and they are going to Dragon Con. And yeah. I can't wait to hear their account because, you know, I know some people who've gone, like obviously you're now yourself and, and Ewan and a few people. And I'm, I know the guys on the Pridonian board who are like the Doctor Who presence at Dragon Con yeah. pretty well. So I hear all about it. I want to go. Yeah, sounds neat. It's just it's literally going to be double the cost to go than Comic Con. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I would argue it's worth it. <laughs> At least to do it once. Yes. Um, and you know, it's funny. I I too 
Um, I'm actually my my original plan was that Gallifrey would be my only con of 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've sort of uh, decided to sort of go a different direction with a few things in my life. Um, one of which is probably leaving the country for a while. <laughs> um, wow. So, and, and also I mentioned earlier that I, I'm starting to get embroiled in a little bit of con drama. And I real, really feel that I'm just too old for that nonsense mm-hmm. and, and just need to take a step back for a while. And, and actually part of that, you know, back to, um, back to one of my earlier comments about how what's important about the hobby and what's interesting for me is the people I meet and the friends I make. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've really discovered, um, Bob, and this is actually relevant to this very conversation, is that I have more fun um, developing and maintaining and forging friendships outside of conventions than in them. Because in a convention, there's always something going on. You know, like like I ran into a Dr. Dan from La Jolla, um, who I met last year at Gallifrey. Super nice guy, mm-hmm. cool dude, great girlfriend. Um, talked to her for five minutes and I was like, well, Hey, I got to run. Let me catch up with you later. Let's hang out later. Never saw him again. Right. Probably won't see him again until next year. Right. Um, and so I guess what I want to do is really switch my focus to instead of sort of having these impersonal random run-ins slash, you know, booze soaked weekends with, with people I don't get to spend a lot of quality time with. Right. <laughs> How about instead... <laughs> I make an effort to go to things like your Doctor Who night where, right. you know, it's a bunch of like-minded, it's like a mini convention, but without the, the distractions of those conventions. And I would argue also without some of the, the hassles. So I'm, I'm switching focus to True. more personalized experiences. Uh, if it helps you, I'm uh, debating doing a very last minute impromptu. Um... So what is the most important thing that you've learned in this hobby? Most important thing I've learned in the hobby um, is that people are crazy. In a good way uh, or a bad way? Uh, in a bad way. Um, I, I think what, um, <laughs> and I don't mean to darken the hobby, <laughs> but like, um, I guess what, what you learn when you hang out with all of your friends is you begin to believe that the entire world must be filled with cool people. Because <laughs> like, if you're like, for example, if you go to one of your Doctor Who nights, uh, you know, whatever, it's 10 people, you all kind of sit around, you high-five, you talk about, you know, Doctor Who, you talk about costuming, you're, you know, no one's a, no one's a jerk. And you're like, wow, that was kind of fun. Those people, I don't know half of those people, and they're all really cool. Huh, that's wild. And, um, and then you go out to a, an internet forum. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wow, these people are all jerks. Because, like, I think what happens is, is you... You, you purposefully or inadvertently choose your friends um, a certain way. Um, you don't hang out with jerks, right? Like someone's a jerk, you unfriend them mm-hmm. <laughs> in real life. You just don't call them again. Mm-hmm. But on the internet, pesky, annoying people stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and they continue to bother you and, and trouble you. And I think, I, think um, I guess what I'm driving at is the, the important thing I've learned is that one needs to be accepting and tolerant of people that aren't just like you in order to get by. Um, Because you can't expect to go to a convention or go to an online forum and expect everyone to have the same opinion as you, to have the same costuming ethos as you, 
you know, for that, um, for that ninth doctor costume that you and I spent years and hundreds of dollars on, mm-hmm. there are people out there who will tell us we wasted all of our money and all of our time when you could just, you know, they pulled a jacket out of their closet, which they've had for years, which is black. Um, and, and they have just as much fun dressing as the ninth doctor. Mm. So like you, you, you really need to just sort of, um, learn to be tolerant <laughs> of your, of your differences <clears throat> with other people or else it's just the path to madness. I mean, going back to that cartoon, you know, honey, come to bed, but wait, there's someone on the internet who's wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, this I is just good philosophy for life in general, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I, and I think um, I think I've really learned this. This has been brought to sharp focus through not only costuming but also in in the prop making hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's a sort of a life lesson that um, you know, like the workplace didn't treat me that because t- teach me that because I wasn't exposed to the unwashed masses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's my. Uh, Oh, you know what else? Uh, a tactical thing. Um, cosplaying in groups is also really amazing. It is. If you get the right group together, um, the yeah, the power of what I call the group. Um, yep. Like, if I'm a doctor, it might go over well. If I'm with two or three right. doctors, better. If you're with all the doctors, you can't move. You just won that convention. Yeah. Um, um, or Justice League, or the Fantastic yeah. Four, or whatever. Yeah, if you're if you yeah. do the group, we did a Star Trek Away Team for the first time uh, five years ago. I remember. And, yeah, yeah, and we did Classic Trek because we had never seen, or or at least not in a long time, classic Kirk, Spock, McCoy Away yeah. Team. We did it, and we couldn't move. We, I mean, yeah. you know, it was just five or six of us, but yeah. it, power of of just that those characters and that pop culture. Now, one or two of us wandering around, eh. But you get that group. Right. Well, I was going to say, even with Doctor Who, like, if you are, and, and again, back to Nine, because it's such an innocuous costume. Like, I did I did a Nine with Rose, and people lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're just a Nine, you're just a nicely dressed guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a great tactical lesson. If you're costuming and you can find a group, even if it's a small group, uh, go with that. Mm-hmm. But I do recommend trying to keep to groups of five or less. That way they're manageable. Um, okay. you, you have groups that are more than that. I mean, unless you're specifically meeting for a photo shoot or something. If you're trying to wander the floor, you're going to lose people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that happens yeah. all the time. You know, just, just from pacing or someone grabs two people in the back and they miss the rest of you and they're trying to be nice and they take a photo, then they lose you. And it, yeah, it, it gets crazy. So. Right. Yeah, been there. Or suddenly you find yourself amassing more people. Like we did a Justice League yeah. group where I think by like an hour in we had a, we'd amassed like three extra Green Lanterns and <laughs> you know a Supergirl and a Flash, and it was like oh my gosh, you know, and uh, that got kind of crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you um, do you have any resources that you recommend people check out for anything for information for fabrics for materials? Uh, my blog, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually a huge, a huge fan of uh, the forum, uh, the Replica Props Forum, the RPF.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have they have a, a, a rapidly growing costuming section. They've sort of latched onto the the growth of the costume hobby. There's not only a costuming section, but there's a costume showcase section where you can like show off finished works. And I've sort of I've sort of made the rounds at like you know the prominent cosplay sites like cosplay.com, 
Um, I'll sometimes accidentally stray over to 4chan and check out CGL. Mm. Um, and I, I think for, for my time and effort, um, I've found that for, for general purpose costuming, um, the RPF is pretty darn good because not only are there people with a lot of experience and knowledge who are, who are fairly willing to share, um, but you can also find um, some decent uh, encouragement, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're starting out. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly friendly forum, unlike places like CGL, <laughs> Yeah, sort of openly hostile. And then, and then it's also like it's a little more mature than something like cosplay.com, um, and again, full respect, like it's just, it's just sort of a different crowd there. You know, it's a younger crowd. It's sort of a, a, a crowd that, that thrives on a, um, minimalist budget quality builds. Um, but, you know, the, the RPF is sort of all over the place. You can find people who just spent $5,000 on their Iron Man armor. And then at the same time, a guy who's making it for $20 out of, uh, you know, post office boxes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Yeah, cosplay.com is a neat place to, to see what all's going on with people and really cover a wide gamut. But I feel like cosplay.com, because I, I'm only, I mainly pop in there when San Diego is about to happen and I'm just trying to help arrange a few meetups and see who's all going. Yeah. Yeah. But um, beyond that, uh, it feels very anime heavy. Yeah, definitely anime heavy. And not, don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with that. It's just not sort of my core competency. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, um, let me think. I, I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Shapeways. I mentioned them earlier for 3D printing stuff. Um, a lot of props and stuff. If, you, if you've got a 3D model, you can get them printed out. Um, Spoonflower for printing fabric. Yes. Um, there's now a whole ton of different pla- uh, different types of fabrics they can print on. I still think that, that uh, industry hasn't quite reached its full potential. Um, there's still some things they can't quite do properly. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the I think the key is um as always color saturation. Exactly, um, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> I mean, they sometimes get it right. It depends on what you're doing, but you know, one of the complaints I got from a last fabric run I did was that the black accents were not black enough, and I'm like, "Well, that's a limitation of the process." But yeah. we can try try again and uh and also uh, the day they can do something like this at a more cost-effective level in terms of literally weaving fabric yeah. or printing on more crazy fabrics like velvets instead of or, just or cotton. fabrics. Exactly. Yes. The minute you can start doing more stuff like that, we'll be yeah. cooking with some gas. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, it's their, their fabric limitations and color saturation. There you go. Well, I think it'll get there. You know, it's just a shake. I agree. Um, I'm a huge fan of smooth-on products. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much for costume making, um, although uh, the Superman Returns costume has a lot of urethane stuff involved in it. So, like, um, there there are places sells like urethanes, casting resins, uh, ca- molding silicones, all kinds of really neat stuff for for making like uh, hard props or you know uh, accessories for your costume stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. Let me God. Let me check my bookmarks. <laughs> Actually, um, <laughs> I like TARDISBuilders.com. That's a fun website to go check out. Very much so, yeah. And I know that you're making one right now. That sounds like a great project. I am, actually. I decided that building a Batmobile wasn't a big enough project, um, so I needed something to distract me from it. (laughs) Um, So uh, you and Anderson and I kind of, uh, after about a year, in fact, at last year's Gallifrey won. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a group, a small group of us got together and hatched this idea to build a set of four TARDISes, one for each of us. Because um, at the time, a friend of mine named Philip Wise, whose TARDIS you may have seen at San Diego Comic-Con two years ago in the QMX booth. Great TARDIS, um, yeah. he, he built his TARDIS and documented the heck out of it. Um, and unfortunately, he made it all look really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so we all kind of said, hey, let's do that. And then, uh, of course, a year rolled by with, with no activity. Um, and then you and I, uh, some, some sort of interesting things happened in my life. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it right now. Um, so I sort of very quickly ramped up. And, and you and I have been working diligently for the past couple weeks and have made a stunning amount of progress in those two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we're going to finish in the allotted time is to be determined, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely feel like we're on the right path, and it might actually happen. That's, which, gr- that's great. We uh, shall see. What uh, what version are you doing? Um, <laughs> well, well, Ewan's doing the Matt Smith version, and I'm sort of unsure of which version I'm doing. It's either the Matt Smith or the David Tennant. Because mm-hmm. uh, my, my problem is that David Tennant is my favorite doctor. Mm-hmm. But I find the Smith TARDIS to be prettier. Mm. Uh, I, I prefer the bold, clean blue on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the uh, the signage on it a little better. I think it's uh, the complexity of it is, is cooler looking. I just think it's a cooler looking ship. Um, whereas you know the paint job on the Tenant one is kind of a dirty blue purple, and it's kind of weathered strangely, and I, I just don't find it as visually appealing. Um, but I, again, I think Tennant's the best doctor. So, <laughs> do you go with your doctor? or Do you go with your TARDIS? These are my first world problems. I was I was telling Ewan. I said, "Wow, if I had the money, I would jump in and, and build one with you guys." And I thought I'd have to build a Tom Baker. And then I stopped and went, "Wait a minute, though. There are better TARDISes than Bakers." But I couldn't live with myself if I didn't make the Baker. So <laughs> it's it's very it's very tough. Um, yeah. Uh, tell me about the Batmobile you're building. That sounds pretty exciting. Which Batmobile? I'm building the uh, the Batmobile from the Michael Keaton movies. Um, so Batman from 1989 and Batman Returns from 1992. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was just another thing where I kind of got it in my head when I was like 16 years old that I really wanted one. And uh, now I can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to find, what was it, a Corvette to base it off of? No, actually, that's a common misconception. There, there was no Corvette was ever involved in the creation of the, uh, the Batmobile. Uh-huh. Um, though the, uh, the lines on the Corvette are very reminiscent of, of some Corvette lines. Um, the original ones built for the movie were actually built on a Chevy Impala. Hmm. Actually, two Chevy Impalas. Mm-hmm. They crunched together to make one chassis. Um, and actually, um, the long story short is I t- I've taken a couple runs at this over the course of my life. And uh, about 10 years ago, it was just it was wildly expensive. And, you know, the Internet wasn't quite where it is today. And, and information sharing isn't where it was today. And times have changed. And right now there's, um, there's a number of guys who have blogged their builds from start to finish, um, you know, including details about the, the car they use, the tires they use, the rims. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, everything you would need to know has been documented multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a couple dudes who are friends of mine right now who are building their own also. We mm-hmm. sort of, you know, we, we all blog about it. We all do things differently and approach the same problems in different ways. So it's pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I found a guy locally who's a very skilled welder and a, and a car junkie. 
um, who's ended up doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the car build because I'm not a car guy. And, um, and I think one of the, one of the places I misjudged the complexity of the project was assuming that there would be a short ramp up on learning how to do all the different skills I would need to build the thing. Ah. Like on my Superman Returns costume, I did not know how to use a serger or how to sew four-way stretch fabric. Um, it took me one evening to learn both of those. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't say I'm a master, but I learned enough so that I could sew up a, a, a bodysuit. Right. Um, and there's been a lot of things like that in my life. Like when I built my R2-D2, I did not know how to uh, properly lay down automotive uh, quality paint. On now, you know, I I read a couple things on the internet, bought a spray gun and a compressor, and I'm off to the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out, <laughs> yeah, that a, a car is very, very different. Um, yes. It's very complex. Um, and and it got to a point where I was like, well, I could spend ten years learning how to do all this stuff, or I could just hire a guy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose the latter. Mm-hmm. So the car is moving along. So far, it's been it's been about. It's been about a year, a year and a few months since I've been, um, since I've had the project up and running. Um, unfortunately, like many, many, many projects, um, I would say, you know, a year of that year and three months, um, the car has just been sitting there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it just, it, it's yeah, you know how it is. Um, but but uh, as I've hinted at, a lot's changing in my life soon. And uh, the, the project's definitely going to kick into high gear, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine, I imagine the car being brought very close to being finished within the next uh, six months. So let me ask you something. Um, wait, wait, six months from now, car is finished. Yes. Uh, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to drive to Ralph's. <laughs> well, I mean, is it going to be your daily driver? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I, have a, I have a couple plans for it. Uh, one is to go to Ralph's. Um, I, I think I think there's there's a there's immense beauty in in pulling up to Ralph's at eleven thirty at night, um, and then going in for like a quart of milk, <laughs> and then and then when the girl behind the counter says, "Do you need help out to your car?" I say, "Yes, I do." <laughs> <laughs> and then they come out to the parking lot, like, "Which car is yours?" You know, and you hit the remote and. They- I think that'd be fun. I, I think it's 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 doing the more mundane things that I'm really interested in. Like you know, I want to just drive around Irvine at mm-hmm. three in the morning. Um, and uh, also, there's a, a great uh, charity organization called Star Car Central. Indeed, yeah. Mm-hmm. They have a website called StarCarCentral.com, and um, run by a friend of mine, uh, Nate Truman. And um, it is a a group of uh, movie and TV. I guess in some case, cartoon uh, cars. Mm-hmm. It's like there's you know there's a guy who has like the '66 Batmobile, a guy has a Back to the Future car, there's like a Ghostbuster car, a Knight Rider car. So kind of all those iconic vehicles from TV and movies. Uh, yeah, I met, and I've, I've met Nate, and I know Brian with his Herbie. Um, yeah, yeah, Brian's got a Herbie and another car. He's got a James Bond car. Mm-hmm. Check StarCarCentral.com. Check it out. And um and what I what I find most appealing about that organization uh, is that they do a lot of really great charity work and mm-hmm. a lot of great fundraising, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is really amazing. And I think that's sort of like 
you know, that's sort of the, the bright shining point of, of this hobby. So much, you know, we were talking earlier about costuming and drama and, and all the people who hate and, you know, all the nonsense. And, and then you find these people who, who commit their spare time and their money and their enthusiasm to raising money for really worthwhile causes. And I don't mean Matt Munson, by the way. <laughs> like, you know, they'll like donate, they'll do an event where they raise money and then they donate to make a wish or something, or they do a, a hospital visit. They'll, they'll take a bunch of cars and some costume people down to a children's cancer ward. Um, and you know, it, 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 it changes their lives. And you know, hmm. what did it cost your Saturday? Hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing events like that. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff I do is very self-serving. Like when I go to a convention, I'm sort of there, there to, you know, meet girls and get my picture taken. And that's great. Um, and, and I feel like I'm really missing out on, on sort of a, a, a philanthropic altruistic element of the hobby which a lot of people ignore. And mm. I, I think I'll have a great opportunity to contribute to that. I'm looking forward to that. And getting yogurt, yogurt land. I'll go to yogurt land. Nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, uh, and also to be clear, um, one thing I don't plan on doing is trying to generate revenue off the car. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people ask me, like, are you going to rent it out? Are you going to let people use it in their movie? I'm like, hell no. Um, n- not a chance in hell. Um, not only because, um, of the potential legal ramifications of generating profit off IP, which I do not own. Um, but also letting that thing into anyone else's hands other than mine. Uh, I mean, would you lend your child to, to someone? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's some friends who say, Oh, well, you're going to let me drive it. Right. I'm like, absolutely not. You will never, ever, ever sit behind the driver's wheel. And I'm like, come on, man, don't be a jerk. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> You just you just don't get it. I mean, like, would you would you let someone wear your fourth doctor costume to a drinking party? Uh, not to a drinking. I have let some people wear it, obviously, for say skits that we've had to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not to not to a drinking party. No. Your Spock costume. Tell me a bit yeah. about that. Yeah. Um. I um. I actually did some um modeling work for Anovos. That's right, kids. I'm a model, male model. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and part of my payment was some costume pieces. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so um, they they make some really wonderful Star Trek original series replica tunics. Um, they do the red, the uh, depending on what your eyes think it looks like, the yellow and the blue. And um, as, as a child, the character I always identified with in the show was Spock because you know he's all sciency. Mm-hmm. Now, do they do the polyester or the velour? Uh, the polyester one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the velour apparently was was too hard uh, to manufacture properly, and also it's a very uncomfortable fabric. Apparently, ah, but they did look into it. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess the the velour ones were like first season and halfway through second season, if I remember correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they sort of transitioned into the uh, the less fuzzy ones, mm-hmm. um, and it's the less fuzzy one. Um, but it's a great looking tunic. It's sort of, it's sort of all of the weird idiosyncrasies of the original costume were reproduced into it. Um, like the zipper sort of sticks up a little bit. The collar is made of a fabric that loses its elasticity quickly. Um, the waist is cut high and it's just a great piece. Um, but unfortunately that's sort of where my effort in that costume ended. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I, I actually I took a stab at doing a, an accurate uh, TOS. Sorry, that's short for the original series, uh, kids. TOS Star Trek uh, sued. Um, but like many other things, it's, it's really expensive to get it done right. Um, the good news is that all of the components are available. Like, you know, the, the dude, the company that made the boots for the TV show um, now offer replicas, perhaps under the table, I don't know, of the boots. So, like, you can get perfect boots. Um, the, the pants, I don't know if you know this, Bob, but it's, it's got like a, a glittery golden weave put in it. Like, the, it's not black. They're, yeah, I'm, I'm well aware, yep. Okay, of course you <laughs> And, like, I didn't even realize, like, I, for years, just thought they were just trousers that were sort of rolled up at the ankles. Um, but it's not. There's, like, a weird bell thing around the calf. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Very, a very unusual set of trousers. And, um, you know, someone will, will – there's companies out there that will happily charge you three, 400 bucks for a pair of those – and again, this was kind of at a point where I was in my, my costuming uh, second renaissance where I was, I was far more focused on um, having something finished than perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a little bit of a convenience factor woven in because when I go to a convention, usually I'm traveling somewhere. So it turns out I used my um, Ninth Doctor trousers, my Eccleston trousers, and my Ninth Doctor boots. <laughs> <laughs> the costume and uh you know i carried around a little toy phaser one of the uh, diamond select phasers yep it was real nice uh combed my hair a little differently um i think the first time i wore it i didn't even bother putting my ear tips on mm-hmm. um and and no one doubted that i was dressed as spock hmm. um you know i even got pulled into a couple star trek groups they're like oh we need a spot quick mm-hmm. no one was like hey who are you science officer labinowitz i mean <laughs> I don't even have ears. What the hell? I'm su- uh, I'm surprised considering the uh, popularity and, and iconic the iconic look of Spock that uh, very few people do Spock. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a super recognizable. I, I I think maybe you know people want to be they want to be Kirk or they I don't know. Be, I'm, works for me, man. I like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it would like it, what the costume had going for it was the tunic. Um, but I think like so many other costumes, like if you, if you get the tunic, everything else sort of falls into place unless you do it horribly wrong, mm-hmm. um, at least from a, a very pedestrian costumer perspective. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that's sort of what I was going for. Like I wasn't, I just wasn't going to spend another 800 bucks to notch the costume up imperceptibly. Uh, I, I understand that. I have a, I have a Dr. McCoy costume, so... Um... I uh, I certainly understand pursuing all of these things. I am curious to get um, an Anovos um, tunic at some point, and there is the, tr- the truck fan in me wants to be able to get uh, the gold and the red as well yeah, at some yeah. point. Um, so I'll definitely have to look into that. But yeah, no, um, it was thanks to a mutual friend of, of ours um, who also is big into truck cosplay, and he's got a velour tunic, and he's big in being into the red shirt, so he's got like a red and I think a gold and um and he helped me with the trousers i got the boots custom made good man <laughs> yeah but which look amazing but are terribly uncomfortable yeah uh, yeah and i got the diamond select tricorder and the the phaser and all that good stuff so i even i uh, got a wig for the helmet hair that you gotta good have man. <laughs> yeah and uh we that's where we did that but you know uh vicky uh scott's wife is the one who made all the the uh, tunics that we wear and they're meant to be like the mego colors that really oh, yeah, pop sure, sure, sure. yeah um, yeah 
So uh, we just found a really good uh, knit, um, uh, poly blend knit that worked really well. And, um, you know, so now we are uh, the, the complete away team when we wish to be, so to speak. But uh, I actually really liked Star Trek costuming. And that was, um, that was another great example of uh, you're so much better in a group. Like, you know, when I was rowing around a Spock, I got a few pictures taken. But when I ran into five other people, we couldn't move. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I and I I love the color pop on those costumes more so than the later iterations when you get beyond uh, next gen when they just are color on the shoulders or the little uh, the little right. color in the under collar and it's gray or even the Enterprise ones with the stripe. To me, it's yeah. like those are nice, but there's no real color there. You got to have that pop, and then you, your right. eye just goes to it. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, you bro. All right, man. <laughs> Solidarity. Is, what, what's on your uh, your drawing board right now for costumes? Costume-wise, I am actually not working on anything. I take that back. Um, one thing that's kind of percolating, I'm not actively pursuing it um, I, because no one does the tie yet, but I really want to do um, the blue David Tennant doctor suit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do the brown because there's a couple people making them. Um, and I don't see a lot of people in the blue for some reason. Um, uh, my plan is to buy the Indie Magnoli fabric and then ship it over to Baron Boutique. A common thing, yep. I, I did the same thing with my brown. Um, well, yeah, again, a common thing. I, th- I think it's a winning recipe for a million reasons. Well, actually, about five reasons, I take it back. Um, but the bummer is um, no one makes a good tie for that suit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Andy Magnoli was working on a couple. Like, he already does a couple great ties. Um, actually, does a number of great ties, including a bunch that go with the brown suit, but no blue suit. Mm-hmm. I, I happen to like blue better than brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I already own the, um, I own the Abbey Shot 10th Doctor jacket, which, again, is one of those things where, like, it's not perfect, but it's really good. Um, you know, it's, it's made of wool, which is not accurate to the original. Um, the, the cut's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a very nice-looking jacket. It flows very nicely. It fits me very well, and no one's going to care. Mm-hmm. Actually, three people care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so for me, for what it costs, I think it was like 300 bucks or something. Um, and, you know, it's a jacket you can wear every day. It's a nice jacket. Yeah. Um, and uh and I'm, I'm probably just going to do a straight up version. I'm not like going to do the 3D glasses or maybe I'll wear glasses and a squirt gun or something. But uh, just a very straightforward blue suit with the jacket. Yeah, that's what I want to do. But it, but it, but that's very much taken a back seat to uh, the Batmobile and the TARDIS, um, which are really my, my focus right now. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to seeing it. I hope I finish them. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, if you want to find more about me online, um, I have a blog. It's at Matt Munson. That's M-A-T-T-M-U-N-S-O-N.blogspot.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash the project workbench, all one word, mm-hmm. where I have uh, interviews, I have tutorials, I have a I have a series I do called The Rise of the Matmobile. Um <laughs> where I, I show the building, a, a very detailed step-by-step build of the Batmobile. I also just did an interview with Tim Russ, who played Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, 
hope to be getting uh, parts of that up shortly. There's some behind-the-scenes stuff I do on different video projects. It's kind of a, a mishmash of videos. Um, you can also find me on the RPF. My username is Matt Munson. <laughs> um, and that's really it. In between my blog, I'm on Facebook too, but don't bother. It's, it's boring. I'm, 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 I'm done with Facebook. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to learn about my projects and my costumes and stuff, uh, it's the blog and the, uh, the video channel. Gotcha. All right. I'll post those links as well as, um, the, uh, the Captain Jack and Ninth Doctor breakdown that um, I put up ages ago and Katie put up. Um, any final thoughts. thoughts? Final thoughts, yes. Um, go to Gallifrey One and listen to Bob's podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, my final thoughts, not that I didn't cover everything in, in excruciating detail, um, regarding costuming is uh, if you're not having fun, don't do it find something else to do. Um, a lot of people get into the hobby with uh, dreams of something, and it ends up bringing them nothing but agony because of it. Um, so the minute it, it stops being more fun than bad, uh, stop and, and spend your time uh, meeting and cultivating relationships with great like-minded people. Ta-da. Words to live by. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this has been a pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Bob. I hope I didn't chew your ear off too much. Oh, no. No, not at all. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with more Shop Talk here at Costume Station Zero. 